Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Black in Boston and Beyond. I'm Hetty B. Williams, your host. Today on Black in Boston and Beyond, we have one of our star graduate students from UMass Boston, Nick Johnson. Welcome to the show, Nick. I appreciate it. Thank you, Dr. Williams. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm happy to have you and uh, let everybody know that Nick is really uh, a superstar behind the <laughs> scenes for the Trotter Institute at UMass Boston, who does a lot of our media work for us and, you know, advertises our programs, organizes pamphlets and brochures. He just um, is, I think, a rock star of a, of a grad student, and we're grateful to have him over at the Trotter Institute. So today we're going to talk a little bit about Nick's background and his journey into academia, but also his research. First, we're going to get into some discussion about his journey into academia as an undergrad and grad student. Nick, tell us a little bit about this journey and how you decided first that you wanted to go to college and kind of what that journey was like as an undergrad. All right, absolutely. Um, All right, so um, I was born and raised in North Philly to my Mom and dad, my dad migrated from Jamaica in the early 90s. My mom is from Philly um, and her mother migrated to Philly a generation earlier as a part of the great migration from South Carolina. I think a lot of my motivations really sort of stem there just from growing up, I guess what they call like working class uh, neighborhood and seeing a lot of the conditions around us. Some of the things our family experienced that I think is definitely like the foundation for my motivations for pursuing higher education. Although I didn't originally think that I would make it this far, or even I think undergrad was something going there was something that I didn't fully see for myself, but definitely grateful for the folks who helped put me in position to be there and took me under their wing in that process. I went to undergrad at a school called Shippensburg University. I'm about two and a half hours outside the city in central Pennsylvania. So, um, Definitely a real big sort of like culture shock compared to where I was mostly growing up in a predominantly black neighborhood, other communities of color also alongside mixing with Asian, different Latino communities and such. And so going to central Pennsylvania now, there was definitely, I think, that racial culture shock, but also that class racial um, sort of shock as well. Going into a predominantly white institution and learning how to like try to navigate my way through. So what was your undergraduate major? So I started out as a human communication studies major. I guess even just backing up a little bit, but took me to Shippensburg was originally football. I played in high school, got pretty good at it and was recruited to play at Shippensburg. I was really just looking for somewhere to play, which not the best route to try to find undergrad or find like the right university, but things really worked out well for me there. And so... I didn't even go in knowing what it was that I wanted to study. I knew I had, you know, things that I was interested in, was interested in working with people, um, was interested in sort of like conflict resolution, I think, politics a bit, but didn't really know what that looked like there. And I got to a point where they were like, all right, you have to dorm my freshman year. Um, You got to pick something to study, pick a major. And I had this intro to human communication studies, a bit different, I think, from communications because it was more so looking at rhetoric, public speaking, and sort of analyzing how people communicate verbally and non-verbally through different mediums as well. So started out with human communication studies. And as I got more 
enveloped in the program, got more involved with different things on campus, also took a second major in international studies, and then uh, had a minor in ethnic studies. Yeah, it, does, it sounds like it was a journey for you, right? So you didn't arrive there and say, you know, I'm going to study this. Exactly. I think as I've had many guests on this show, I always like to talk about their journey. And many of them have a similar journey to yours where they took a course and were inspired by a fantastic teacher, became mm-hmm. a mentor. I just want undergrads and grad students listening to the show that that is a common journey for many of us. And, you know, you figure it out along the way. At some point, there's going to be a little pressure, as you said, when you get to the end of your freshman year, beginning of sophomore year, to sort of select a a major. But also, I think the point you're making is about interdisciplinarity. You seem to have had a lot of interest at once. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Right. And so that that could mean a major and a minor or a double major, right, to figure it out. Figuring it out might mean it's more than one thing that you're interested in along the way. Oh, absolutely. And then even, you know, you bringing it back to the forefront about like mentorship, the one who really helped to help me like see the path and being able to sort of work with these different things in an interdisciplinary way was my mentor, still my mentor. I'm a black woman by the name of Char- Dr. Charnine Herbert. I'm a graduate at Howard University. One of the only three black faculty I had during my entire experience at Shippensburg. Actually, through human communication studies, she was she gave instruction there, and she had a course in African American communication, which was like like a really coming home sort of moment. Because that after taking that course, that's when I saw myself as a student. I guess like I wasn't just there because I thought I had to be or to play a sport or anything like that. It it was really like a moment where I was engaged, interested, and saw myself in what was being instructed. But she really took to me. She made, created, like found other opportunities for me to get engaged with other projects outside the classroom, the Frederick Douglass Collaborative, which was a undergrad program amongst some of the different state schools in Pennsylvania, where we held like different debates, held conversation over like current events and things that were going on in the classroom. Yeah, that's that's so important to mention these mentors and give them their flowers, right? Absolutely. And I think you're you're suggesting also your parents and family members, you know, are important mentors in shaping our, you know, journey into academia. And there's always people who if your parents don't have the answers to questions or they're not around or you don't have access to them, there are people in, you know, the institution that you can go to. A, a lot of times I tell my students, too, you should also always go to office hours, mm-hmm. you know, seek yes. the professor out after class, especially if you're enjoying the class. Say that. Absolutely. That person a- absolutely. is the mentor. And that's like exactly what happened. I would end up, I, I mean, Dr. Herbert's office ended up becoming definitely one of my impromptu sort of hangout spots. Not just me, but just like other black students who were also really resonated with her. And she just became like, we always call her like, like even like still now call her Dr. Mama Auntie because she was Mm -hmm. just like all these things for us. 
And she's the reason I ended up doing grad school. Like she, she saw it and definitely wasn't something I thought that I could do. You know, I didn't see, I, I didn't think I could do anything past undergrad. And she was like, no, this is what, even up to this day, like still, she was like, this is what you need to do. You need to go get in the master's program and then you need to go get your doctorate. In it. And then even, I'm, I'm glad you even brought up the part about like with the parents, because like, now that I think about it, I definitely think one wrong to her so much was just because. She really, there were so many parts of her that reminded me of my mother, her sense of humor, her enthusiasm. She just had like a really, an energy that felt familiar and a place that could be really hostile at different points. And then, cause my, my mother didn't, my mother wanted to, you know, wanted to go into school, but she came from a generation where, you know, generation before her didn't really know how to navigate that. And then she had me at her early age, very intelligent and just like passionate woman. Um, and still you know, made her way. She did actually funny enough. She started her undergrad journey around the same year that I did, which was really like, just, just beautiful. I'm, I'm really glad like those moments paralleled, but always was real big on school. She was like, you need to go to college. My dad, I think another reason education still was just something in my mind is, uh, you know, my dad, like I said, he migrated from Jamaica and very intelligent man, very just like capable. Like he, he, he could, he could build a house from scratch. Like I, I've seen him do just these amazing, really interdisciplinary things. Mm. But when he got here, his, you know, the classic story, unfortunately, of people who are immigrants who come into the country and now everything that they had prior, the credentials all sort of get wiped away. His education and everything was just sort of deemed as irrelevant once he got here. And so he just always had to take on just like a multiple jobs to sort of keep things afloat. But he was always just real big on education and really, I think, sort of being able to to help Pope and push me and my siblings to take advantage of the things that he wasn't able to. Yeah. So your graduate school journey, it began before you arrived at UMass, correct? Tell us a little bit about that. So you had this mentor who said, look, you need to go to graduate school. Where does it, yeah. where did that begin the master's degree? So as I was wrapping up uh, my undergrad journey, Dr. Herbert was really just sort of putting in my ear that, you know, you need to go and get your master's. Don't sit and wait. Don't put it off because life happens. Things come up and it can make it difficult for you and you're just better position yourself. And so I started working as a consultant, actually, after I graduated undergrad immediately after for a bit. And then that following spring, oh no, that following, going into that following spring, I started looking for programs that were still interdisciplinary or that I could sort of encompass the different things that I was interested in. At that point, I had been active in community organizing. I organized at my university, but I was really interested in looking at things within a global context and how it related to the stuff that I was seeing in my community and other communities like mine. And so... With Dr. Herbert's help, I actually started looking at schools, more so focusing on programs. And I was looking for some type of global studies, once again, sort of international relations thing, just because I saw a lot of parallels between how my two undergrad degrees and my two majors really sort of complemented each other. I wanted to be able to still keep that. And so I found it was only applied to two programs. Um, I applied to George Mason, George Mason in the DMV area to their global studies program, took the GRE, but still didn't get in. And then the only other school I applied for was actually Northeastern. And uh, they had a global studies and international relations program. So 
sort of these two things sort of living in one, I think very much related, but sort of living in one space. But I didn't need a GRE to get there. And that ended up being the program that I got into and never had been to Boston, but I saw it as an opportunity just to, I think, step outside of my comfort zone again and go to a new place and sort of put to action a lot of the lessons, like life lessons and academic ones I had learned up to that point. Yeah, I think so. This is your journey into Boston, the Northeastern University by way of Northeastern. And I think if we could talk a little bit about for some of the students listening, whether they are undergrads or graduates, tell us a little about what applying to grad school involved. We you mentioned the GRE, but you know what about things like an essay or other aspects of that whole process, letters, and how you go about getting those things, you know, together for an application and the cost too. It, it does cost a lot to yes an application. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> so definitely, yeah, yes to everything that you just mentioned. So as far as getting together my application materials, I wasn't too worried about the essay part just because um I knew that I had enough of a support system to sort of help me to like enough great minds to sort of bounce my writing off of to help me get things in a row. And what I tried to do was tell my own story, but try to relate my story to the relate my story to what it is, to what I seen or Mm -hmm. the things that I was seeing and what it is that I wanted to do. And I'd also had just been like really involved with different things in my undergrad that I was able, I think, to sort of leverage. I was in, like I said, I was in the Frederick Douglass Institute through Dr. Herbert. I was a president of student government. I had joined the greatest fraternity in the world, (laughs) Alpha Fraternity Incorporated at that point, Um, and just had a lot of things that I think relate to or, or that could help communicate my passion for people and processes to address conflict. And so I was able to write that up and then have different folks look at it for me and thankfully had enough folks also were willing to write me those letters, those recommendation letters as well. Like, you know, not just letters that said, you know, Nick is a good student. He can write, he can do this, that, and the third, but Folks who were able, you know, who, had, who knew me personally as well, who knew me professionally, academically, and personally, and could help to relay the message that I was trying to get in my essay across, but from an outsider's point of view. No, I think that's a good point about letters. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. thank you. Uh, you know, for students, you you, it's never good to get a letter from somebody you had just one class with, and you had maybe three years prior to when you needed the letter. It's better to get. Mm that you built a relationship with and build that relationship with that professor outside of the classroom in their office hours. And these are the people that that know you best and 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 could put forth a good letter. You know, you don't want a car- carbon copy letter where someone's writing a lot of letters from many people and they look the same. So right. important advice, I think, is, is really critical because those reference letters carry a lot of weight. You also mentioned your own personal story and how you sort of incorporated that into the essay, tell your own story, especially now with the attack on DEI and college admissions and mm-hmm. how more generally, it, it the story, the personal story and how you tell it and connect it to your your goals as a grad student is so important now. Absolutely. Yeah, wanting to go into grad school, especially students of color. I mean, 
a student who may not be able to apply to 10 schools or five schools or six schools, you know, because that's expensive. I mean, these applications, mm-hmm. I remember when I applied many, many years ago and the applications were between 30 and $50. They must be a lot more than that now. Oh, yeah. Oh, and s- something else I would also just, you know, for anyone who's interested or looking at the process for it, don't feel afraid or feel empowered, I would say, to reach out to the admissions offices and ask them about fee waivers because, you know, sometimes they have these things set aside. Like I, I did a fee waiver for Northeastern, couldn't get one for George Mason, but I was able to get one for like Northeastern just going and explaining my situation as well. So these universities sometimes have, I guess, money set aside or just places set aside to for applicants who uh, may not be in the best position to pay for, like you said, these really expensive application fees. No, I think that's a, a point well taken too, that don't be afraid to to call. Another thing is to call the admissions, but also the professors you would want to work with, reach out mm. and conduct a visit if you can, even if it's by Zoom, reach out to the professor. And, um, you know, prior to submitting your application, I think these are all important uh, points for any undergrad graduate students who are, are prospective graduate students. So you made your way to Boston by way of Northeastern, and then you have arrived at UMass Boston. Tell us about that in your you know PhD program here and what you're working on, a little bit about your research. So at Northeastern, or I guess, first of all, I'll start by even just talking about my approach to graduate school at Northeastern. I understood that you know, even with the best rhetorical sort of intentions that you, a lot of the faculty are going to teach from a place that they're most familiar of or they're most familiar with and, and communicate the discipline in a way that makes the most sense to them. And so going into Northeastern, going into international relations and the global studies, my idea was to just sort of leverage the leverage the courses so that I could be of better service to marginalized communities, both domestically and globally. And that was really like a sort of like a focus point for me. And so something that I wanted to look at or that I was able to study in my thesis while in my master's program was looking at race within like an international relations context. And so that allowed me to, it was a bit of a different approach than I or subject matter than a lot of what some of my other peers were looking into, or even that I think some of like the basis of the program had, but it was what I was really passionate about. And I did have enough faculty who at least supported me and being able to explore it in that way, in the way that I you know, was most comfortable with, or in the way that I really wanted to, was drawn towards. And so I had a course during my last semester or prior to the uh, semester, two semesters before my last one, before I graduated, it was on like human rights. It was a human rights course. And there was this younger, younger instructor. Don't want to say the name for, you know, just for some other reasons, but was really just like full of energy and really liked the way that they were approaching human rights. And so she told me that she was also a student in the School for Global Inclusion and Social Development at UMass. And I had already sort of been entertaining the idea of a PhD program, but I didn't want to get stuck in something that was that wasn't interdisciplinary enough, I guess, or that tried to keep me in one particular lane. I I still struggle with a bit at Northeastern. And so she started telling me about this program at UMass Boston. It was a 
human rights based program, but that was transdisciplinary, it was transdisciplinary approaches to addressing human rights issues. And it just started just clicking. So they started telling me about what their experiences had been. And I would tell them, you know, about my interests. They had been looking at some of my work and they also really encouraged me to apply and to, you know, to, to reach out. They said, I think this would be a perfect place as far as for the things that you want to do and being able to sort of hone all these things in together. And that was the only, once again, like that was the only place I applied. Like I started looking at some other ones. I still in communication with Dr. Herbert. She was encouraging me just to go straight into a doctoral program after my master's. And this place just seemed just like perfect. So I started researching, went to the open houses, once again, went through the same hoops of putting together the application materials and then sort of landed there. I graduated from Northeastern um, in June of 2019 and started at UMass this September of 2019. So you've been moving forward without without a pause here. What are you, what are you working on? What's tell us a little about your research? And I know you're in the dissertation phase and fully into your your research. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so um, I my topic is or I, what I'm researching is the political ecologies of or the relationship between the political ecology and self determination of indigenous and African diaspora communities. Really interested in sort of looking at how the political ecology of communities who have experienced the violence that comes with extraction um, and that comes with uh, like cultural and racial economic um, repression about how they would sort of map and form out approaches towards climate reparations. And so the community that I'm currently working with is the Ogoni community in the Niger Delta of Nigeria and looking at how they're also sort of responding to some of the devastation caused by Shell oil company on the extraction that happened there and some of like the oil spills that are still polluting the Niger Delta. And you've done a lot of traveling with your with your research too, right? Tell us a little bit about your travels. Oh yeah. Well funny enough it actually started well in my master's program. I had been volunteering at this organization called Grassroots International in Boston. And then something that Northeastern is really infamous for is their co-op programs where they send students into the field to work with an organization for a semester, a year, sometimes multi-years at a time. And so when I had the opportunity, I was coming up with my thesis and my capstone, I um decided to do, it had the opportunity to do a graduate fellowship with Grassroots International. And what they do is they help to organize funding and create grants for social movements in West Africa, the Middle East, South America, and in parts of the Caribbean, uh, more particularly Haiti. And so I started working with them and they uh, actually with another person there, another Black woman named Mina Remy, Love Mina. Shout out to Mina Remy. She ever like hears any of this because she was the program officer of the West Africa and Solidarity program. And then she helped put me into the paperwork to go as a delegate with her to Nigeria to one of their partner organizations called Home F to help the Mother Earth Foundation. And then they were hosting a Nigerian national conference on water as a human right. And it changed like that, that trip changed my life and changed my politics and changed how I thought about how I thought about conflict resolution 
and what would be some of the necessary steps to addressing harm that has happened to communities and how some type of transformation could be approached. Um, so that was my first time in Nigeria. I was able to connect there with different organizers, um, other organizations. And then we went to the Niger Delta because Gratitudes International had been sending funds through OMEF to also support the Ogoni organizers um, in the community by the Niger Delta and was able to learn from them about what had happened and how that relates, was related to a lot of the environmental issues that we're seeing and experiencing here in the U.S. So like the racial sort of context that goes into some of those things as well. And so that became sort of like the motivation. I wanted to find a way to sort of still contribute to their processes. And so it became the focus point of my dissertation. So COVID happened, which definitely set some things back a bit, but I was able to finally go again last for the month of last November 2023 and connect back with folks where I'd been just sort of doing more virtual communication with at that point and meet some new ones as well. It's transdisciplinary. It's it's just, I think, transnational, interdisciplinary. Is seems like there are a lot of layers to, you know, what you're trying to accomplish with the dissertation. Did you did you settle on the title or yet or so the <laughs> wordy title is Free the Land, Free the People, Political Ecologies and Self Determination of the Excuse me, free the land, free the people, the indigenous political ecologies and self-determination of the Ogoni people for environmental justice. Sounds great. I mean, it's it really sounds like a, an exciting work and and we're going to look forward to reading it as a book one day. Yeah, so am I. <laughs> Nick, you're probably like, well, this dissertation is going to be my book, but I get it done. Yeah. But I'm, I'm I'm really just grateful for the people who poured into me and 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 saw something worth investing in. It helped me got to that point to expose me to these different experiences, different people, different strategies, and been able to make all of this possible. Like I really do see this as like um, an accumulation of everything that I've been involved in or done for the last ten years or so. No, I I think you're absolutely right. There are people in your your life in that shape this journey and you know from your parents to that teacher that you mentioned professor herbert and beyond there are folks in our lives you know that we meet and, and we don't have one mentor we have many mentors mm-hmm. something i'd like to remind students and and everyone we have i have many mentors you know i have the i always like say I have my writing mentor my research men, research mentor and yeah you know, Mentors with different purposes. Everybody put mm-hmm. it everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Nick, I want to thank you for taking some time out with me today and and just letting us know a little bit about the man behind the scenes of the Trotter <laughs> Institute and our, our fantastic graduate student, uh, Nick Johnson. Thank you so much for joining me today on Black in Boston and beyond. All right. Thank you so much for having me. It really is a pleasure. Thank you for listening to me still this time. <laughs>